and I don't know what what got over me. I have no idea. But I grabbed it and I grabbed the ammo and he didn't see me. His back was turned to me and I put the ammo in the gun and I don't know, I, I, I just thought how easy it would be if I pointed it at the back of his head. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Sanigato. I'm Greg Dybeck. For anyone out there that would like to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Our email is oplpodcast at gmail.com. Today, we are speaking with a woman who sent an email with the subject line, I tried to kill my ex-husband. She wrote in the email, it's difficult to explain the 14 years it took for me to get to the desperate point of pulling a gun on him. And we're going to be speaking with her uh, just about her relationship. And I think just really diving into what could ultimately drive someone to the point of feeling they need to take a life to save their own. So we're going to hear her story. And as always, we've got the guest on the line. And thank you so much for being on today. Thank you. Thank you for your time and the opportunity too. No, of course. So can you talk to us about this relationship? I guess before we get into you know everything else, um, you said 14 years, That that's a long time. So who was this person? Uh, I guess, how did this relationship ultimately start? And where was the turning point where uh, it became, as you wrote in the email, horribly abusive? Uh, yeah, so I was in this relationship marriage for 14 years. I met him when I was 18. This is the only relationship I've ever had in my life, even up to this point. Um, I find it hard to be in a relationship. I don't, I don't think that's something I, I want because of this. Uh, he is older than me. Um, at 18 years old, you're very naive. And I was very sheltered. Um, my family, they're immigrants, so they're really strict and didn't really let me go out much. I didn't really know that there was people like him who are um, charming, manipulative, uh, and he was. And I guess for some reason, he picked me out of everyone. We worked together. So he started grooming me within like six months. He proposed and I was just, uh, I don't know, happy, high off of, this new relationship so at 19 years old we got i got married to him and right away i felt things were off uh we didn't fight almost every single day about just dumb things jealousy in that first year he did things like throw himself down the stairs if i threatened to leave and me not really knowing what this was i thought it was it was my fault like this person could could love me so much that he'd be willing to kill himself if I left him. So it was little things like that, that now, of course, now you would see, oh my God, that's a red flag for sure. And this was happening in the first year of in your relationship? First, in the first year, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you said after six months, you guys got married? 
we got married. Mm-hmm. Was it? I'm curious just because, you know, having spoken to a lot of survivors on the show of, um, you know, abuse, physical and mental, it, it almost sounds like it kind of follows this trend that we hear a lot where there's a lot of, I think the term is love bombing at first, where that charisma it's like charisma first. It's just love bombing. It's just endless, you know, compliments making you feel good. And then it seems like there's almost a sudden switch once that person, I guess, has you, or in your case, once you're engaged or married to this person. And then that love bombing that you experienced in the beginning sort of completely disappears. And then it obviously becomes something much more manipulative or sinister or, you know, dark. Yeah, for sure. That happened. Yeah, I would say I didn't even understand what it was at the time. Just, yeah, constant attention. And for me, it was something new. I had never even, I think I'd been on two dates, two dates my whole life. And then this guy comes in doing everything that I thought, um, I guess, of someone who wants to be with you, love you for the rest of your life does calls you during breaks uh, on his breaks oh i'm thinking about you or i bought this for you and then it did go away and i thought i did something wrong so i i have to do better or be better at this relationship because he's ignoring me now and i must have done something wrong and yeah, so it does. It, I guess it does. At the time, you don't realize it, but it does. It does have this pattern for sure. So this happening in the first year of your relationship and you were together for 14 years, was yeah. it a constant in the 14 years or was there you know, a period of time where this kind of was on hold? Uh, no, it, it was it was a slow but constant um, he did that the the threatening his life he did that about i would say once a year there was this huge fight he would say he's not deserving of me he would try to blame it on me for some reason um but we'd get into i think we'd get into arguments at least twice or three times a week and And that was a constant you guys would fight like yeah Two or three times a week, and then at at a certain point, he would threaten to kill himself? Um, He wouldn't threaten to kill himself. He would um, just go sleep on the couch or um, not come home one night. And now that I think about it, that's the times he was probably love bombing somebody else and cheating on me because he was cheating on me throughout our marriage. I, I had no idea because... I don't know. I was just trusting. I know that I wouldn't do anything like that. So of course he wouldn't. Yeah. I, I was going to ask if, if he was cheating and if you found out, because it seems like it's such a pattern of behavior that why wouldn't he have multiple people that he's kind of going through that same process with? Oh, you're absolutely right. You, and as I piece it together and I talk about it. Um, yeah. You're right. It was the times where he was, because he would, he, at all of his jobs, so in the 14 years that we were married, he uh, went through 10 jobs, 10. Um, At least three of them, I know, because of our divorce and me having to subpoena the companies that he worked at, 
I know he got fired for sexual harassment. So, so he was definitely having lots of affairs. I don't even know how many. Uh, he only confesses to the ones that I've brought up. So he's never really told me. But yeah, he definitely did that when he was engaged in into someone else, where he found something, someone new and shiny. He would definitely uh, treat me like shit. Yeah, no, it's just it's just crazy hearing such unique stories from different individuals with different people. But, uh, just the, the, they, there is, there is a pattern and it's like for that type of person, I feel like we've learned a lot about the type of person that can manipulate and, and use people like this. And what almost becomes obvious is if they're getting one need fulfilled somewhere else. So like if they have a new shiny object, as you said, then it becomes abusive to you. If something probably started going wrong with, the new shiny object, then maybe it's more love bombing your way to kind of try to win you back and get the affection. And it's just always this like endless cycle of trying to get all the needs met um, by, you know, all the different people that they have in their web, so to say. Yeah, it's it's weird and it sounds exhausting and, it, and I can't imagine living my life like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's like a, a drug. Like you can't live without it, all that attention. Right. And, and you, uh, said that he like threatened to throw either threatened or did throw himself down the stairs. Is that, yeah, he threw himself down the stairs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that, would he do stuff like that? Like what kind of stuff would he do like that? That like, that was, and what would be the reason? Because I would say that, um, that, that one specifically, I remember saying that my parents didn't want me to get married because they didn't, I was young. Um, they refused to talk to me and I told them it was because of him. I said, I gave up my parents to be with you and I feel like I made the wrong choice. And I said that I was going to call my parents and possibly move back with them because it was, it was too much for me. He was overwhelming me. And that's when he said, you're right. I'm, I'm pathetic. I'm a loser. I'm not deserving of you. And then before I knew it, he threw himself down the stairs. Jeez. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what the exact term is, but it's, it's almost like the ultimate guilt trip or it, I guess it just puts all the, the fault on you. Or if you leave, something's going to happen to me and then you have to live with that. Yeah. And, and that, that did happen. I mean, I'm, I'm 19 thinking, Oh my God, like if, if I leave him, he's definitely going to kill himself and it's going to be on me. And I, I felt so guilty that I just did everything I could. I, I went down there. I said, are you okay? His nose was bleeding. I don't know. He was crying, sobbing on the floor. And I held him. Um, that passed. The next day, he was fine. It was like everything was great. We were going out. He's like, I want to take you out. I want to go out to dinner. I want to go here, here, here. And it was weird, but I was happy that he was happy. And everything was back to normal. So I, so I thought. Do you think that was the reason why, you know, you stuck around in this relationship is because you thought that you essentially had to take care of him or keep him alive, essentially? Like, do you think that was one of the main factors or were the, was there a actual, like, constant, like, love and attraction to this guy? Or was it just this 
you're caught in this manipulative sort of web? Uh, I think it's more of the latter. Uh, he, he wasn't the most attractive. He was definitely charming and very intelligent. That's what attracted me the most. But it was the, the nurturing part of it. I'm the oldest of four siblings, like I said, from immigrant parents. So I took a, a lot of responsibility. Um, and I felt like, yeah, I was supposed to take care of him. And as the years progressed, we had a kid. And that mm. definitely cemented that I was staying. And in my family, we don't divorce. So I had to stay. And um, then other things came out of his past and things that had happened to him as a child. So then I felt like, yeah, I need to help him out. But it never was about that. He, things did yeah. happen to him. Things did happen to him, but he doesn't want to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's disturbing to hear just how young you are too and impressionable and just how damaging and confusing that must be, especially to have no reference point of, like you said, no other relationships. So it's at that age and it being your first one, how do you know that this isn't what it's like like, or what it's supposed to be like? And that's, you know, that's scary to think about. So I guess 14 years is a long time. So you... We're kind of understanding, I think, um, how you got into this, why you felt like you had to stay for some time. Having a child, obviously, like you said, you know, really makes it more difficult to leave. Uh, But what would you say was sort of the height of um, the the abuse that you experienced with this person? What, What was kind of the point where you realized this is not, this is truly not the person I thought it was, he was, and this has gotten to, you know, an extreme level that is just unsafe. Um, so I think I was pretty blinded because um, I focused a lot on my kid and I was a stay-at-home mom. My son has um, disabilities, so I focused all my time on him and I kind of didn't pay attention to what he was doing. But towards the end, I would say, well, before we separated, I could tell he was different. He would be screaming at me, um, about to punch me, you know, like would, would come at me and pretend he was going to punch me in the face to see if I would flinch. And, um, I didn't, I grew up, like I said, uh, my parents were, were not abusive, but my dad would spank us. Um, so I wouldn't flinch and he would just laugh like, and this was just at the 12 year mark where he wouldn't hit me, but he tried. He'd scream at me and all of this stuff. This is when he was just cheating. I, I, I could feel it. And when I finally got a call from somebody at his work because he had lost his job, um, and they told me he was, I confronted him. We had a very huge fight. Or I slapped him in the face. And that's when he packed up his stuff and he left he went to his brother's house and this is, we had our own house. We had like everything that you could want you know, in, 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 a, in a marriage, you have your kids doing great. I thought, I don't know, maybe I'm delusional. Um, yeah. Two days later, he ignored me for two days and I said, fine, whatever we got it. We had a huge fight. I thought it was just another fight 
He was going to come back. Everything was going to be normal. Two days later, he filed for divorce. Um, said, you can stay there if you can afford the house. I didn't work um, or else I'm going to sell it. And that's when it was a complete, that change for me was a shock. So I tried to contact everyone, like thinking what happened here. And that's when I found out that he had been cheating on me, that he had been talking about bad about me, saying that I was the one that was cheating, just making up a whole bunch of lies. Uh, we went through the divorce process. I think it was almost a year. I was in a really bad place. I would be drinking a lot. I was really depressed. I had my own apartment. I felt really alone. And then that's when he, I don't know, maybe decided that being out there wasn't for him. So he begged me to come back, and I did. What, what is it that made you go back to that situation? It was my son. Mm-hmm. Or my kid, sorry, my kid, for sure. Um, being away from him is what broke me because I had to share custody. Nobody believed me during all of the uh, um, the custody. Nobody cares. Oh, wow. They just want to split. Um, if you've ever gone through divorce, they don't care. They just want to get over with and done with it. Joint custody, here you go, bye, next case. So that's basically what happened. So getting back was a chance to have your son with two parents or under the same roof. Yeah, or with me because I knew he wasn't getting taken care of when he was with his with his dad. Um, yeah, so I went back. Wow. And that's when it got physically abusive. So he had never hit me before. But at this point, I didn't know he was an alcoholic. He, When I went back to him, we were living in his apartment. And he was going through a case of beer, I think, every two days. So he was drinking about six to eight beers a night. And, yeah, it started off with him doing the same things that he would do. Yell at me, scream at me. I, I mean, I could feel, like, the hot breath on my face and everything. It got from that to him shoving me and if I would put my arms or hands up to try to defend myself he would take that as me fighting him so then that's that was him deciding yeah okay she's trying to fight me I'm going to fight her too so he would push me or or slap me um so he's he's six two and a 250 pound man and I'm I'm under five feet Wow. He could pick me up and throw me across the room. Um, there was a time, I think it was four months before this incident happened, he actually went to punch me and I put my hands up and he punched my wrist and sprained it. I ended up going to the ER and I do have documentation of that. That's that's probably the the main thing that helped me get my son because I have my son now or my kid now for full custody. But I think that's that's the reason that I do have my kid because of that. Wow. We're, uh, so wow. How, how how often was you know their physical alter- altercations with him? <sighs> Oh, 
I would say at least once a week. He would, I, I liked it when he went to the bar right after work because he wouldn't come home. But then there were times where he would come home and he wanted to engage in sex and I didn't want to. And that's when, I don't know what you would call this, but it's weird. He wouldn't hit me. He would just put me in like this. He would like hold me really, really tight, like slowly squeezing me until I started to cry. It was really weird because I would say, I can't breathe. They're really hurting me. He's like, don't ever leave me. It was the weirdest thing, but he would hold me really tightly and wouldn't let me leave probably for 30 minutes. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what that's called. But Wow. And at this time, like understanding that this has now hit a new level of physical abuse, are you still staying in this relationship, you think, for your child, just knowing how difficult that process might be to try to prove that, you know, you should have custody? Yes, mainly yes. And the second is that I had nobody. Um, I hadn't talked to my parents in that whole year. They they thought I didn't want anything to do with them, and I thought they didn't want anything to do with me. Um, I didn't have any friends. I actually didn't even leave the apartment for, uh, I think, almost four months, not even step outside. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have money. I didn't have a car. I wasn't allowed to go get groceries. I gave him the list and he would go and get it. Wow. And I mean, you, this happened around the 12 year mark and you guys were together for 14 years. So you endured this kind of relationship for two years. The last two years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And can you, I mean, ultimately we know that uh, this eventually gets to, a high point where you decide Mm -hmm. that the only way out of this is to take his life. So can you kind of describe the moments leading up to that and what your thought process was? And then also the, this occasion. Yeah. um, Like I said, I was really depressed at this point, even waking up, I dreaded, I feel bad. I feel guilty and I feel bad because I neglected my kid. uh, He would wake up and I would just barely get up and make him just like a sandwich, I think. And I'd say, here, eat this. And then I would go back to sleep. Um, So at this point, I really just wanted to die. And I had collected, I think, a bunch of pills. Um, I think they were, it was Zoloft or something like that. And I thought, yeah, any day I'm going to take these. Um, because every day was hell when he'd come home from work. He'd get home early around 4.30. Um, I don't know, just this, just one day he gets home. Um... He's in a bad mood already. Um, he just shotgunned two beers, and then he grabbed two more, and he went outside to the patio to smoke. And 
I went out there and I said, hey, are you hungry? I can heat up some food for you. He said, yeah. So I put the food that I had already made earlier because he didn't cook. He didn't cook. He didn't clean. He didn't do laundry. I did all that. Uh, so I, I put the food in the microwave and then I grabbed clothes out of the dryer. Um, yeah, I was doing the laundry. He heard the microwave, the, you know, beep that it was done. And I don't know if he was just too drunk or what. And he didn't realize that the, uh, the Pyrex container was hot and he dropped it. He started swearing, cussing, and I ran over and I could see my son. He had his headphones on. He was right there in the kitchen. And I told, I don't know why, I just thought, okay, I'm going to put him in my bedroom. So I grabbed my son and I put him in her, in my bedroom and I shut the door. And I was trying to calm my husband down. Um, he just started yelling at me and he's saying things like, everything's so fucked up. Um, I know you're going to leave me any minute. I know that you're still talking to so-and-so because when we were, when we were separated, I, I was talking to someone. Um, it wasn't serious. And I don't think I'll, like I said, I could be serious with anyone, but I was still talking to him. And I made a point to say that he was just a friend and, and he is, he, he still is a friend. Um, but my ex got mad about that. He said, I know you're going to go cheat on me with him. And I said, no, I'm not. And I, I never did. I never have. Um, just from there, there, he started screaming. I was cleaning up the stuff uh, off the floor. And he just ran over and like kicked the stuff, but he kicked me instead. So I stood up and I said, stop doing that. And he just kept screaming at me again. He pushed me. And then he started laughing when I got a beer, sat down on the couch. And I don't know what, what got over me. I have no idea. Uh, this was my gun, by the way. Uh, I live in a state where they really are lenient with guns. Uh, so I just went over. Uh, he had my gun, though, on, like, in his nightstand. I was, he didn't even want me to keep it by my side. He uh, he had it there like some kind of a holster thing where it was easy to get to. So I grabbed it. It wasn't loaded, but I grabbed it and I grabbed the ammo and he didn't see me. I thought he would see me and I thought he would freak out, but no, he was still there drinking his beer. His back was turned to me and I put the ammo in the gun and rocked it back and it was pretty loud. I thought he would hear me at this point. He didn't. And I don't know, I, I, I just thought how easy it would be as I pointed it at the back of his head. And I was sitting there for about 20 seconds maybe. And he finally turned around and I regretted it that moment. Um, because he came at me, tackled me, threw the gun across the room. So I don't know if he was just holding me or trying to choke me, but I was on the ground. I remember it was really hard for me to breathe. And 
that moment, I thought, oh, shit, my son's in the other room probably hearing all this. So I ran over there. Um, and then within minutes, I, I hear a knock on the door, on my bedroom door. And it was the cops. And I just gave my son a hug and I said, I'll be right back. And they said they want to talk to me to step outside. And I said, yep. And I went out there and they said, put your hands behind your back. And I tried to explain to them what was happening. They said, no, no. They said, put your hands behind your back. If you don't, then we're going to charge you with resisting arrest. So I just did what they said. So at this point, you know, was there any sort of interaction in between the time where the police knocked on the door and, you know, your Uh, husband, uh, he tackled you like, yeah, you tackled me like, like a full on tackle. And you didn't shoot the gun. No, I had aimed at him. I was thinking about doing it. I was at the point of thinking, what should I do? Should I? Should I pull it? And then that's when he turned around and looked at me. And I could see he was really pissed. Do you think, you know, if he didn't turn around that you may have done that? I I don't think so. I think I wanted to kill myself mostly. And I think I did it. I think I pointed at him just to see if I... I guess have the guts to do it. I don't know why. I don't know why that ran through my mind, but I don't. I want to believe that I wouldn't have. I don't feel like I would have pulled the trigger, but I don't know. And after you were arrested, uh, you know, were you charged with anything? Yeah, uh, I was, yeah. I was charged with a felony three. And what were the repercussions of that? I Well, I spent six days in jail. Uh, during this time, I finally reached out to my brother who reached out to my parents. And um, I think at felony three, it was assault with a deadly weapon. And um, after I got released... I called my parents. My dad came to pick me up. And yeah, I, I, I got an attorney that my parents paid for. And from the moment I got arrested, I told him that he tried to kill himself because he had done it before. Uh, oh, no one knew that you had pulled a gun on him? No, I never told anyone that. From the moment that the cop showed up, I said, no, he tried to kill himself. And I took the gun away from him and we were fighting for it. That's what I said. Is this your first time ever saying it? Oh, wow. So in, so you told everyone that he tried to kill himself and you said, because he had done it before. So did everyone believe that? Yeah, because, uh, during our divorce, he had, when he found out I was seeing someone, he sent me a picture of himself crying and then up another picture with his handgun on the ground with a bullet next to it with the words is this what cowardice looks like 
So I had that as evidence. Wow. So you just use that as a way to kind of like get yourself out of, yeah. I guess, getting into bigger trouble? Yeah. Is I that why you only spent six days in... in... Yeah. Yep. So if, if you didn't lie and you're like, yeah, I pointed the gun at his head, you would have been there for way longer than six days. I have no idea what would have happened. I, I have no idea. But from the moment that I got arrested, I said, I don't, I don't know why you're here. Did he, did he ever say like, no, she pointed the gun at me or yeah. was he just, yes. and they did. just didn't believe him? They said it was his word against mine. And because I had the evidence of him trying to kill himself before with that picture, especially that picture with the words, it was, they believed me. Wow. Did you see this? So did you see lying about that as an opportunity, not just to not get in trouble and, and do more jail time potentially, but that this could be the way out of the marriage? Yes. Yeah. I thought that that, that I finally could get out, that I, I could start my life. And is that what happened? Like after this, you know, yeah. you were let out, everyone believes you that he tried to kill himself and you saved his life. Essentially you have, did you ever speak to him or, you know, what about, yeah, we, you know, your we, child? We, yeah, we, sh we do share custody. Uh, he has the minimum. I have full custody of my son. Yes. Um, we still communicate through text only or email. Um, yeah. And how is that? Are you guys cordial or is there, you know, animosity? I'm sure there's animosity, um, but we just ignore it. And we just, just talk about my kid. Here's a schedule. Here's the days you're going to pick him up. Um, my parents, they're, they are, they, I'm not saying that they're, wealthy but they're very hard working so they helped me a lot they helped to help me to retain really good attorneys to help me um but it wasn't easy I, but I, your your parents have no idea that you pointed the gun at him no they don't nobody does only you only you right now this is like i said this is the first time i've audibly said it even to myself have you ever do you, do you plan on ever telling no. people or no no so i guess the only other person who does know is your ex-husband so it's it that's a crazy dynamic like you're still seeing him communicating him with him because of the joint custody so it's just this kind of unspoken truth between the two of you where you know what happened uh and for him i guess there's just no point in even fighting it or trying to prove it because he lost that already and he's just sort of accepted it. it. It's almost like you found, it's like you won this terrible game in a way, like you found your way out through this scenario and, and through essentially upholding this lie that, but it, but it ultimately got you out of your abusive relationship. Yeah. And it's kind of, um, funny in an odd way that you said that winning this game, because I feel exactly that he's, he is essentially scared of me now and he doesn't try to manipulate me. He doesn't try to play games. He doesn't, he doesn't try to mess with me in any way. Wow. Th this is 
it's a mind blowing dynamic because it, it almost feels like like a philosophical question that would get like proposed by a professor in college or something, you know, of like right and wrong. It's like, is it, is it okay to do or wrong in lying? Essentially, I assume under oath. Um, but this was an escape route. This was how you could protect your son and yourself the best way. So yeah, maybe you broke the law a little or did that, but like, is that excusable because it got you out of a terrible situation that could have killed you ultimately, or could have had severe traumatic effects on, on your son as well. If, if it didn't already, I don't know, but, um, it's just, that's fascinating. Wow. I did not, um, I don't think we saw this coming. I, I didn't either until, um, I had one, the, I guess essentially the, the, the trial because I did go to trial um, all the evidence was shown and it was dismissed uh, there wasn't enough evidence that he had to pursue the case so they just said they were going to drop it and um, well first they reduced it to um, a misdemeanor it's the disorderly conduct that's what they they reduced it to, and then at the end, they finally just di dismissed it completely. Um, but after that, yeah, he 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 doesn't try to do anything to me. He even pays child support on time. He he basically is out of my life. Where yeah. uh, I've been able to. I mean, this this happened in 2019, so it's been three years that I've, I've done a lot of work. I've gone to therapy. I've taken my son to therapy. I, I quit drinking. I, I've been sober since then. I don't take any drugs. I used to be, I used to take lots of drugs like Adderall, um, Xanax, um, Oxy. I was really in a bad place and all of that. I've stopped. I've tried very hard to take this I guess second opportunity to change and I feel almost bad that I'm in a good happy place but because of this choice that I made I was going to ask like all things considered and now that the dust has sort of settled uh do you regret it or do you think that you did the right thing um I don't regret it. I feel like he deserved it. And I feel like I'm happy that he's scared. Because he leaves me alone. Yeah, no, I mean, that's huge to, to almost get your freedom back, your sanity back. I'm curious what... What does this do for you sharing this for the first time? And like you said, even saying it out loud to yourself, um, because you've obviously had to, you know, keep up this story for so long um, for you to end up in the position that you are now. Uh, but but what, yeah, what, what does this do, I guess, for you personally, just being able to share all this and say this out loud? Um, 
I hope that people that are in that position can find anyone to talk to, just anyone, even a stranger. Um, because if I had somebody that I could trust, I wouldn't have gone to that point. Yeah, um, so I mean, do you, you know, I guess another way to word that is, you know, is there any sort of advice that you can offer someone that may be in a an unfortunate situation in their relationship? Just document everything. I think that's what really you need to do because the court systems, they don't, they don't care. They just want to see the evidence. And I wish that I would have, in those very first years, recorded all of the things, all the fights. Then I wouldn't. Then maybe I would have not been in that position later on. Yeah, I think that is extremely valuable advice. And I'm just curious, just because this is, uh, we're just experiencing such a, I think, unique and like real moment right now. Like, I'm just curious for you, just getting this off your chest, saying this for the first time, like, is it cathartic for you? Do you feel a weight lifted? I do. I still have guilt, though. I still feel guilty, but I I feel like as I talk about it, I, it's unbelievable that I was able to keep my sanity for so long, but then I'm also a little bit frightened of where I got to. Yeah, understandably, but I think that um, just ultimately, like we said in the beginning, I think people have breaking points or people will go to, you know, great lengths to protect themselves, to protect loved ones. And, uh, you know, that's just a reality, especially when you're a victim the way you were a victim. So I think it's just, um, you know, enlightening and interesting to just hear, uh, you know, how, how this un- unfolded for you. And like I said before, it just, just feels like we're experiencing just like a very, just real like moment in real time, which, which we are. Um, I think both Joe and I are just, um, a little floored almost just this, the dynamic of this uh, and for everything that, you know, you, you went through 14 plus years, um, and all the things that occurred to, to get to this point. But uh, before we wrap, um, now, it seems like you are in a much better place. You mentioned a lot of the work that you've done therapy for both yourself, for your child. Um, how, how good of a place are you in now, you know, compared to those years prior? I, um, it's, it's amazing what even a year to, and now three years of being away from somebody like him, I, um, I used to be really thin, um, about 86 pounds. And now I'm at an actual healthy weight. I think I weigh 120 and I'm able to live my life. Um, I'm not worried every day. It's, I'm able to smile. I'm able to enjoy every single day. And, um, 
my son gets to see me happy. He gets to see who I really am. And not just somebody who's scared and timid because that's not who I, I am. I'm not somebody who just shuts up and, and takes things. I want him to see that I am a strong mom who's going to fight for him. Wow. Well, I mean, this is a unbelievable story and you know the fact that you said that you've never admitted that to anyone just to us like we are we appreciate the honesty and you know we also you know are thankful that you feel comfortable enough to tell us out of all people um about this and yeah i mean i can only imagine like with the you know from what you're telling us, you know, how liberated and free you must feel these last three years. So we're happy to hear about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just thank you for coming on the show and thank you for the honesty. Yeah. Just, just to open yourself up just to, you know, it, it's just rare. And like we get glimpses of it on the show, you know, more often than, I guess other, other people's podcast. Uh, but it just to like experience and and see this raw emotion and honesty, like Joe said, it's just, um, it's just, I just keep the word that keeps coming to mind is just real. Like this is real. Like, thank you for just explaining to us, you know, how you feel and what you went through, just no matter, um, how like tricky, complex, you know, of a dynamic and everything this is, um, just, just thank you. I'm, I'm so grateful that I got to tell my story. And I guess one thing I I do want to say before we leave is that if somebody isn't in a position like I was, it's not going to be forever. And, um, you'll get out. It's, it's going to happen because, they, they can't win. They can't do it for that long. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm out. I never thought I would be out. Well, well thank you so much again for uh, coming on and taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, and good luck with everything. Bye. This is important, guys, especially if you find yourselves in front of a screen for most of the day. We want to tell you about Bond Charge, a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. And Bond Charge's blue light glasses have quite literally changed my life. Uh, I know that sounds dramatic, but I'm not always the best sleeper. And I'm usually on a screen of some sort before bed. So I got their blue light blocking glasses. I put them on two to three hours before bed and they help create more sleep hormones to aid with better sleep. And honestly, it has worked wonders. After that, I ended up getting their computer glasses to wear during the day and it's helped my eye strain, headaches, especially when I have long days just kind of staring and and getting lost uh, in a computer, which I know is uh, what a lot of jobs are these days. So with Bond Charge, you're getting science-backed technology tested to ensure they work, unlike other blue light glasses companies. And I can't 
talk their products up enough. They have become wellness staples for me. You should absolutely give them a try. They're solving what I think is a, a huge problem that people face today. So go to bondcharge.com slash OPL and use coupon code OPL to save 20%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com slash OPL, bondcharge.com slash OPL. Use the code OPL and save 20% and uh, go check out all the products that they have. The next sponsor is our own company. It's Secret Handshake Food Co. Joe and I, we have partnered with Heatnist. They're the hot sauce geniuses. Uh, They work with Hot Ones. You know the show. Uh, And we have made something that has never been made before. We have made an everything bagel hot sauce. We launched this a couple months ago. It sold out within, I think, two weeks. The response to this has been amazing. Uh, We're so happy with how this came out. You may have heard us talk about this. Uh, If you've tried this, if you've bought this, thank you so much because we appreciate the support. If you haven't, uh, this we're serious when we say if if you like hot sauce, if you like everything bagel flavor, um, this will not disappoint. It is so good. I know we're biased, but we use this on everything. You can see this bottle that I'm holding up if you're watching this on YouTube is pretty much empty. Uh, and we just opened this like the other day, but it's vegan, it's gluten-free, it's delicious. It has a really nice kick. The flavors are incredible. It goes well on honestly anything you can think of. Breakfast, chicken. Um, I make chicken wings with this and it's insane. Sandwiches, BLT, avocado toast, um, you name it. I've seen people use this as salad dressing. They're putting it in pasta. Um, They're doing all sorts of crazy things with it. But we're super excited about this product. We're super excited to enter this food space and do really exciting things and, um, you know, bring you guys kind of new flavors, things that can kind of become household staples for you as well. So check out Secret Handshake Food Co. Uh, The Instagram is at Secret Handshake Food Co. If you want to learn more about it or head over to secrethandshake.shop and uh, grab yourself a bottle. Let us know what you think. We really, really think you're going to love it. Uh, We sold out super quickly, but we are back in stock. So get this while you can. It's moving fast. Holy shit. I just like kind of like, I think I'm a pretty articulate guy. I just feel like at a loss for words and I, I almost can't pinpoint why. And like, I was trying to explain it at the end, but I just feel like I just got hit with uh, just such a wave of just like, she just just ripped everything open for us. And just, she just wanted to tell that story. And she just wanted to say for the first time, you know, everything she endured, but also like she dealt with like the weight of going through, you know, what she went through and um, to the point of almost pulling the trigger of a gun on someone to then, uh, you know, twisting the truth to, to try to find her way out of this relationship, you know? Yeah. I I am that this episode had a wild effect on me. I feel like I, I've never felt like this after an episode like that just felt like we, we get a lot of people being super honest and open, but that just like, felt like a whole new level that I wasn't really expecting, Mm -hmm. especially 
she didn't have to say right. that she lied. Right. You know, like she didn't have to say that, but she did. And it's like, like you said, it's, it's such a real thing to hear. Like this dude is wrong for the way that he was acting in the relationship. And I mean, you could say that she, she, I mean, you personally, right. <laughs> you don't shoot somebody obviously. Um, and, and that's up for like debate whether, you know, deserved it or, you know, whatever, like killing someone. Um, and then lying about it and like getting away with it and not telling anyone. It's like everyone's wrong in some way. And, and you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's such a wild but, situation. But, but that's what makes like, it so real. And that's what that's makes what us mean. like processing yeah. it. It's like, it's, it's just hard because that is like, life is not, it's not so clear cut. It's not so simple. It's not one person, right. right. One person wrong. It's like, this is the murky complex. Like this is how, this is, this is the way that we go through life and, and deal with certain situations. And that's a very extreme situation. Um, but yeah. And I also don't know if like we have an exact answer as to why she did tell us. And I think that's like hard to process too. It, she also said it was like three years ago. So I don't know the technicalities. I don't know about no. this trial lawsuit. If something's ongoing custody, like, I don't know if that has implications. Like, yeah, she said that there's a weight lifted of, of sorts, but it just felt like she just had to tell that story. She just had to let those emotions yeah. of the past 14 plus years just pour out of her. And, and it seems like that was just, that's it. There's no agenda beyond that. Like, I think there's great advice for other people, other victims, other people in abusive relationships, uh, really valuable advice, but it just yeah. felt like she just needed to just let that out. Yeah, man. And I, I think that people who are in abusive situations, honestly, whether you're the person abusing or the person getting abused, it changes you and you do things that you don't think you'd ever do on both sides of that. And it's hard to comprehend with like a clear mind, you know, never being in a situation like that or ever witnessing abuse or anything like that. Like it would be hard for people to understand that some people are pushed back into a corner or like they just like see red or, you know, whatever. There's these things that happen to people when, they've just been like kicked over and over and over again. Or you get into this routine of like, I don't know, the, the abusive routine. It's, it's, it's all fucked up. Uh, like obviously. Um, and it, it's just crazy, man. Like that, that was, like I said, I, like, I don't even know if I'm making sense. Like words <laughs> no, are coming know, out, but like, I I, I'm still thinking about everything that is happening. <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, just a wild and real conversation. And, and like, you know, again, uh, yeah. is, is she right? Is she wrong? Not for me to decide, but I do appreciate how honest she was. And I mean, that's all we can really ask for from our guests. And we, we appreciate her for that. Right. We, right. And that, this is just us. Like, I, yeah, I feel the same way. I don't know if I'm making sense, but we're also, we're here to listen and we're like, we're not filtering this or we're not taking a break after the call to say like, okay, let's gather our thoughts and what should we say? Like, we're also just giving our raw like reactions, you know, right back to that. Um, but yeah, like there doesn't always need to be like a, a 
bow or a perfect lesson or something that's immediately digestible and understandable. Like we can sit with these complex situations and these stories. And like, maybe sometimes just hearing a story like that is even more helpful to people going through confusing situations than, you know, the perfectly wrapped up. Here's the lesson. Here's what you need to take from this. Like, no, like we said, like this is life and it's messy. And uh, yeah, maybe you could debate about right, wrong here. And but I don't know. All I know is we just, um, she just, she just poured her heart out to us and we really appreciate that. Yeah. And, and for anyone else out there that, uh, you know, would like to come on the show and share, uh, you can hit our email. It's oplpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, maybe we'll hit you back and we'll get you on the show. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram, on TikTok at, at, <clears throat> at OPL podcast, uh, for clips and things and, uh, head over to patreon.com slash OPL show if you want, uh, and you can support the show that way. And we're, uh, using the Patreon money to donate to a bunch of different charities, people, things like that. Um, you could go check out actually on the Instagram, all the, um, places that we've been donating to, and we've got some other ones coming up. So go check that out. Yep. And that is all. See you guys next time. <laughs>